This is the Investor Frame Podcast with me, Paul Sparks. Hey guys, I'm Nick. I'll be guest hosting the Investor Frame Podcast today. And today we have my good buddy, Orion Enfield, a real estate agent, investor extraordinaire, house hacker. Man's doing a lot. So welcome, welcome to the Investor Frame Podcast, Orion. Thank you. Excited to be here. Definitely, definitely. Well, um, let's get started. Tell me a little bit about how you got into real estate. Sure. So, um, 24 years old, uh, graduated college in 2020, um, went into a finance job for a year. A um, couple months out of college, I decided to go to Craig Kurloff's uh, first ever real estate meetup and uh, met the man himself, uh, the guy who wrote the house hacking book, um, The House Hacking Strategy, and uh, fell in love with the concept immediately, started talking to him right when the meetup started. And then he said, do you want to go look at houses this weekend? And I was like, absolutely. So by that Saturday, three days later, had a house under contract. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. The man, the myth, the legend, Craig Kerlop. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so was that here in Denver then? It is. I know you went to school up in Washington, right? No, I went to school at CSU, Colorado State. Okay. Um, so up in Fort Collins, mm-hmm. not too far away. And then got a job uh, coming out of college um, at a fund admin for private equity and venture capital, um, downtown Denver. Um, so I was in that job for about a year and then, um, almost right after starting that job, realized that I hated finance (laughs) as a career path, at least, um, and fell in love with real estate at the same time. Nice. Um, but I'd studied finance and I do think that I gained some good skills from that first job in my studies, um, sort of made the transition over to real estate pretty easy and seamless. So when I went to go and interview for commercial real estate shops, it was, pretty quick for me to land a position at a, another brokerage, uh, downtown Denver. Awesome. So it sounds like you just kind of dove in head first. Like yeah. you, you saw the idea house hacking and you're like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Connected with Craig. And like you said, you had a house under contract in three days. Uh, where, whereabouts was the, the first, uh, investment property? First one is in Lakewood, actually just a couple blocks from here, nice. um, over by Belmar. Um, so really good area. It's a two story, but also with a basement. So technically three stories, I guess, uh, roughly 3000 square feet. It's a five bed, four bath that I use as a rent by the room. So I rent out each bedroom and, uh, on average brings in about 850 to 900 per bedroom. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So getting started, you know, you had Craig's mentorship and you kind of got into it. What would you say some of the biggest challenges you ran into with, uh, with that property in Lakewood? Ooh. Um, so going into that property, I was planning on putting the least amount in as possible up front just to sort of boost those ROI numbers. Um, so was planning on putting 15 grand down, which is exactly what happened. Um, using some, like, I forget the exact number, but using some sort of seller concession to knock off the closing costs. Um, but wasn't really planning on many repairs. Went in, it looks good. Um, all the bathrooms look good. Kitchen looked good. Um, everything was structurally sound. Um, but then upon inspection, which was happening pretty close to the closing day, actually, uh, they found mold in two of the bathrooms. So had to completely gut and reno uh, two bathrooms. But Craig sort of like swayed me into understanding that it's not that big of an issue. And the ROI numbers, while still um, while lower, were still going to be pretty positive, mm-hmm. um, even if I did have to put in the 27 grand to gut and reno two bathrooms. Realize now that I got gouged. Should yeah. have worked with you. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like your biggest issue on that one was just the bathrooms. Everything else was pretty smooth up until you got to that point and then yeah. found out you had some mold issues and had to redo the bathrooms. Yeah, just complete inexperience on my end. Just coming out of college, completely green on house hacking, real estate investing, all of it. All I knew was what I had studied um, and none of that had to do with real estate. So going into my first house hack, just just going off of YouTube videos and what I'd heard. And yeah. I could run the numbers pretty easily, but um, yeah, understanding what it took to actually uh, manage and renovate and then operate as like a self, like landlord um, was probably the biggest learning curve. Yeah. I mean, shoot, just hearing all that, it sounds like your first, I mean, just in your first year, you learned uh, a lifetime worth of knowledge, you know? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. So from there, you got the the place in Lakewood. Uh, you're doing commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you got connected a little bit more with the FI team. Yep. So I did commercial real estate for a year and realized that it wasn't for me. Um, I was specifically in the office sector and found that pretty boring <laughs> <laughs> and just was loving more and more residential real estate and the concept of house hacking. So I was searching for the following year, year and a half after closing on that first property for the next house hack, just like, oh, this is a great deal. This is a great deal. These numbers work fantastic. I just want to make it happen faster. Um, and just nonstop day after day, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, running my own analyses, and then sort of realizing after a year, like, why am I in commercial real estate? <laughs> yeah. I need to be in residential. This is what I love. I spend all my free time doing this. I could, I talk to all of my friends about this nonstop to the point where it's annoying. I need to do this for, for a living. So I switched into a residential real estate agency um, just a couple months ago, three months ago, and uh, joined the FI team with the man, the myth, the legend, Craig Kurlop. <laughs> right on. Very, yeah. very cool. I mean, you just literally immersed yourself into just the world, you know, and, yeah. and why not? Why do commercial real estate when you could be a part of a team that's literally doing that on a daily basis? Yep. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, for... The viewers that don't know about house hacking or, you know, the, the whole process, would you mind breaking that down for me? Sure. So house hacking is the concept of renting out um, all of the spaces that you're not using in the house that you're living in. So the idea is to put 3% to 5% down on a property um, to purchase it. So roughly that's like 15 to 25 grand here in Denver, where houses are usually like 500. Mm -hmm. Um, and then renting out either all the other bedrooms or the other unit, if you're in a duplex or Airbnb being another unit, or in my case with my newest house, Airbnb being two other units, um, and then using that to sort of subsidize your mortgage cost and then your utilities cost if you can. And ideally cash flow while also living there for free. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So what would you say? I mean, obviously you had some challenges, you had some construction challenges mm -hmm. and that's, you know, something that pops up pretty regularly. I mean, we work with house hackers and we see those things a lot. Um, other than, I mean, would you say construction challenges are, you know, the biggest issue with house hacking or like, what, what have you seen? What, what have you seen being some of the biggest roadblocks or maybe something that would maybe sway somebody, you know, not to do it because it seems like it's too daunting or what do you think about that? Analysis paralysis is real. <laughs> um, I would say that one of my biggest strengths is just the fact that I'm willing to to jump and then build the parachute on the way down, mm -hmm. as Brandon Turner would say. Um, so I threw myself just headfirst into the deep end and then figured out how to swim from there. 
Um, I would encourage anybody else to do the same, like assuming that you understand the concept of house hacking, identify the strategy that you'd be willing to use. Like for me coming out of college and having lived with roommates in the past, I identified, oh, rent by the room, super easy. I'll just fill all the other rooms and cash flow a little bit while living for free. That sounds fantastic. I was paying rent in college and not having to pay that afterwards was great. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, But I'd say that's the biggest hurdle is just starting. So if I can encourage anybody to do anything, it would just be to start. And I think the best starting point would be to talk to somebody who's doing it. Um, you can talk to me or talk to Craig Kurloff, talk to you. You work with a lot of house hackers, mm-hmm. talk to anybody who knows the concept. And I'm sure they will be gung ho about getting you into house hacking because it's a tried and true <laughs> method of becoming wealthy. I've seen everybody on our team become wealthy through first house hacking and now a lot of rental properties on the side. Um, but even if you just house hack year over year, um, for 10 years, have 10 properties under your belt over the course of 30 years, you're going to build an enormous amount of wealth. Yeah. Just think about, even if we're not taking into account appreciation, um, or cash flow, just the debt paid on a loan. Think of 20 years of debt paid on a loan. Um, you're gaining like hundreds of hundreds of thousands to at that point, millions of dollars of equity just by having renters pay down your loans. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So just to kind of recap, if I was, let's say, somebody new to investing, new to house hacking, you're mm-hmm. like, get a mentor. That's get, the first yes. thing you do, get a mentor. I think the word mentor can be kind of daunting. It's mm-hmm. kind of hard to go up to somebody and be like, hey, will you be my mentor? Or even like through like the advice of other people, which is to provide value. Mm-hmm. Um, like provide value and someone will naturally become your mentor because you're offering them so much value. They'll offer you that in return. That's a great idea, but I think that can be kind of daunting also. Yeah. I would simply say start talking to people who are doing what you want to do. It's going to motivate you. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you spend the most time with people who are doing what you want to do, they're going to pull you up just by simply being in their presence. You don't need a mentor, although one would be great. Like I've had sort of like pseudo mentors throughout my few, like few years of being in house hacking now. Um, But I haven't had a mentor since day one as just like a straight up mentor. I've, I've considered YouTube my mentor (laughs) and then connecting with people like you and Craig Kurlop and everyone on my team and just watching, listening and just sort of immersing myself into this concept is really like what's going to push someone new to be successful in this. Um, Just you're learning a language. Yeah. Understanding the language of house hacking and real estate investing is going to come naturally just by surrounding yourself with it. So do you think like, so when you're saying, you know, you're immersing yourself into it, um, do you think meetups would be like a good start for somebody? Like Meetups maybe, are perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So instead of going the mentor route, maybe just surround yourself with those people. Go to a meetup, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, you can go up meetup.com and there's tons of them, especially here in Denver. There's a lot, oh, yeah. of, a lot of different avenues you could take. So go to a meetup, you know, start talking to some people mm-hmm. that have already done it, kind of pick their brain a little bit and then go from there. Exactly. Like if you specifically want house hacking meetups, just look up house hacking meetups on Google yeah. and it's going to come up with a bunch, especially if in your place like Denver, where it, this is, I would consider like a really big hub for real estate investors in more of a, like a creative sense on like the smaller scale, um, house hacking, um, and then like small rental properties, small multis or small singles. Um, but also like Seattle or, um, Houston or San Diego or LA, um, I'm just like listing off the places where we have five team members right now. Yeah. But <laughs> I know that there's meetups all over for real estate investing in general. But if you're even interested in, in like specifically house hacking, there's tons of meetups. Just go on Google and look one up and you'll be able to find people who 
who are doing what you want to do. And the reason that they have those meetups is to teach newbies how to get into it. So go do it, get into it, just surround yourself with those people. They want to talk to you. <laughs> they do. I mean, it's, uh, I personally, I love going to the meetups. I love yeah. interacting with everybody from the FI team, just to, you know, from FI team to people that are already doing it to people that are looking to do it. You mm -hmm. know, it's always a great conversation. It's always a good group of people. I haven't found anybody there that's going to steer you wrong. Like everybody's going to give you honest information tell you what to look out for. And they're, they're very transparent, of, even about the challenges that they've like experienced throughout the whole process. So I, I would recommend going to a meetup as well. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go to meetups. They're going to teach you so many things about so many strategies and it's just going to be an hour or two hour, three hours of just overload of knowledge. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. You're definitely going to learn a lot. Well, cool. Um, so, I mean, you and I met, uh, I want to say through, Dan. Mm -hmm. I want to say Dan referred me. Dan the man. Uh, yeah, Dan the man. And then <laughs> we met over at your property in Denver. Mm -hmm. And uh, so tell us a little bit about that property. Sure. So unlike the first property, the second property is a um, Airbnb was the strategy I chose for that one mm -hmm. to sort of immerse myself into that world um, and learn that strategy. Um, so it is a six bed, three bath. Um, after we had you work on it, uh, <laughs> it was originally, uh, um, a front unit, which was a three bed, two bath, and then a back unit, ADU attached ADU, uh, that was a two bed, one bath. And then we split the upstairs, um, of the main unit to be two bedrooms. Um, so that the main front unit is a four bed, two bath. Yeah. So all together between the two units, it's six beds, six beds and three baths, and it's zoned as a single family home. Um, but, but with two kitchens and two completely separate living spaces, two separate entries, two driveways, it essentially operates as a duplex. Yeah. And then what we also had to do um, was add up a wall um, and create a separate entry essentially for the basement of the main unit and turning that into its own separate unit. So it essentially operates now as a triplex where all of the units are two bed, one baths. So you literally have three separate dwellings on that property. Three separate dwellings. Um, my girlfriend, myself, our dog, and our cat live in the main <laughs> unit upstairs in the in the main unit. Um, and then we through the garage and then through a separate entrance into the basement is the basement Airbnb. And then off on the right side of the house is the driveway to the the back ADU. Yeah. Nice. So kind of a cool story about the uh, the ADU and back doing a little bit of work back there and i'm like why is this a giant steel door i'm mm -hmm. trying to drill through it and uh, it actually used to be a gun shop right it did it used to be a gunsmithing shop gunsmithing shop okay. yeah so okay. the prior owner um like to work on guns yeah. yeah and i don't have too much information on that but uh our neighbors told, told us that and i thought that was pretty funny yeah i i realized right away this is not a normal uh mm -hmm. door exterior door that you find on a home when my <laughs> drill bits were not going through it to, to yeah. do an install so but that adu is uh it's sick i mean it's it's uh it's two bedrooms two bedroom one bath living room and full kitchen right yep thousand square feet it's essentially just like a big box yeah the way it's laid out where it's just like a big rectangle living room um with like sort of like an entry uh, entryway galley kitchen and then two bedrooms just side by side um, off to the side of the living room. Yeah. Um, and then with an entrance to the backyard, which has a view of the mountains. So it's great for an Airbnb. And oh, the house came with a fire pit in the backyard. So we just plopped some chairs around there and turned it into this cool backyard barbecue fire pit hangout. Yeah, the backyard is yeah. really nice. Nice entertaining area back there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so far, let's see. 
when uh when did you get it up on airbnb uh september 19th september 19th so since then i mean how's it been going it's been going great uh september was quick quick pickup i was really happy that it started um working right away um and then into october uh october was really good um made 5200 bucks revenue between the two units on a $3,300 mortgage. So after even reserves and utilities was cash flowing pretty nicely. Um, November was a little bit slower. Gross rev was roughly four grand. Um, So just breaking even on um, the uh, utilities and then the PITI, uh, the mortgage. Um, And then December is also kind of slow, but we're entering slow season, so it's to be expected. By the time we get back to March and and on, (laughs) I'm expecting the numbers to be really good. So you're not really too worried about it. You already know, come, you know, let's just say holiday time, usually holiday time. I mean, for real estate and kind of just things in general slows down a little bit. So you're anticipating after that, just picking back up again. Totally. Like if you can weather three months of slow, which isn't like nothing, it's it's just a little bit slower. Um, then you're going to be totally fine. Cause once summer comes, then that's going to bolster you for the following slow season buy multiples. <laughs> so yeah, during that slow season, yeah. you may just be like, you're covering the mortgage, you're getting the mortgage exactly. covered and everything like that, maybe a little bit extra, but starting to get ramped up for springtime, summertime, you know, a lot of people coming out to Denver and, and the surrounding areas. Exactly. And also with a house hack being sort of like live in, if you're willing to through the slow season, just like do the cleanings yourself, then you can cash flow on top yes. of living for free. And even if you don't want to do that, if you just want to hire hire cleaners and not do anything besides just restock the supplies and then organize like when the cleaners are going to come out, you're still going to be paying only a couple hundred bucks a month to live in a unit of your own. See these things all around where I live, which is just 10 minutes north of downtown. Nice. I mean, so it it kind of sounds like there are. I mean, there, there's ways, there's, there's tactics that you can use during the slow season to save a little bit of cash is what you're saying. Totally. Like even if I wanted to switch one of the units or both of the units to a midterm rental away from a short-term rental for the slow season, write up a three month contract or a three month lease. Um, and then you're pretty much locked into X rate. So you don't have to worry about if people are going to book through the holidays. You just have, you know, like maybe you set that as like a break even number yeah. from, um, November through the end of January. And then through all of slow season, pretty much you broke even on your mortgage plus utilities. Nice. Live for free. <laughs> Heck yeah. So I was thinking about it. Your property in Lakewood, you're doing rent by the room. Mm-hmm. Your property in Denver that you live at, that you're doing more of an Airbnb, more of a short-term rental there. Yep. So... When you're looking at a house, let's say you're going to look at another investment property and you're trying to make that choice. Am I going to do it by the room or am I going to do Airbnb? What are you looking for in that house? Like what's going to stand out to say, no, nah, that's, I want to do an Airbnb there. Or, no, I think I should probably do rent by the room. Mm. What are you looking at? Interesting. I would say I choose my strategy before I start shopping for houses. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So now I've done rent by the room and now I've done Airbnb. So I know what those two things look like. Yeah. Um, I have teammates and friends who do medium-term rentals. So I'm considering trying that as well to just get sort of a sense of what that world looks like and how profitable it is and how easy it is to manage. Um, but when I'm looking at a house and deciding on a strategy, um, I, I think it would be actually better to just tell you my buy box, which is um, I look for houses with two kitchens. I think it's really important to look for houses that, have, that can apply multiple strategies so that if one doesn't work out, you can always fall back on another. Usually, like I use, and I know a lot of our teammates use rent by the room as sort of like the fallback strategy mm-hmm. of this will at least break even if you had to 
switched from short-term, like say short-term is outlawed, <laughs> or you couldn't do medium-term for some reason, rent by the room will always work. So you do, like you just, for me, at least a five-bedroom house or a, a house that can at least like have the possibility of easily becoming a five-bedroom house um, with two kitchens is sort of like my general criteria for entering into a property because I know that I can either split that into two living units and run it as a general long-term multi-unit property. I can rent out each bedroom individually um, for say like 800 bucks a month and then probably break even on that. And then also being able to mix and match strategies. Uh, if you have two kitchens, you can do one as a medium term and then one rent by the room, one short term, one medium term, two short terms. Um, I think it's important to just give yourself a lot of flexibility. Okay. And that makes sense. It's like, just kind of leave your, be, be able to pivot, leave your way and out. If the short term is not going to work out, maybe switch to a midterm or yeah. a long-term rental. But at the end of the day, your short-term rentals is what's bringing in more revenue. So you, you yeah. kind of want to stick to that before you have to, before you would midterm or something like that. It depends. It's all about your comfortability versus profitability spectrum and where you land on that. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people on our team talk about that a lot too, which is, um, Sort of on the most comfortable side, but the least amount of profit is long-term. Um, long-term rentals being your traditional, like live in a duplex, rent out the other side, just on a 12-month lease, pretty much no management other than taking care of like, oh, the, the AC isn't working or something like that. Um, next in line is rent by the room because it's, again, 12-month leases. But instead of doing one 12-month lease, you're just doing like five of them. So it's 5x the work, but still you don't have to manage it much once they're signed. Um, even further down the line is medium term rentals where you have to essentially rewrite, rewrite a lease every one, two or three months. So a little bit more, a little bit more maintenance. And then on the most maintenance, but the highest amount of profitability is of course, Airbnb short terms. Um, so right now I'm giving this side of the spectrum a shot, Nice. but I gotta say, I'm pretty comfortable too. I've got a thousand square foot unit, um, <laughs> above ground with mountain views for myself and my girlfriend where we both live free. So even though we have to technically manage tenants coming in to short-term, like every day <laughs> to short-term rentals, um, managing a message a day is totally worth it to yeah. be able to cash flow and then live in a great unit. I mean, it yeah. just sounds like you've got, you've got your strategy and it's working for, for what you want right now. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. So earlier you had mentioned, I know you were just, you know, you're uh, listing off where we have FI team members mm -hmm. is out of state investment properties, maybe something that you're going to look into. Not yet. Not, yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. Yeah. I want to completely master Denver and um, sort of just getting like rolled into being a full-time agent uh, and investor. Um, I just want to hone in on one market for now. Um, I've found a way to make properties in Denver cash flow very nicely, and I'm just going to do that on repeat. I don't see any reason to go out of state when I'm cash flowing rough, like over a grand on both my properties so far. Why complicate <laughs> if it's already working? Exactly. Don't, yeah, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> well, what would you say? So um, you've got your rent by the room. You've got your Airbnb. Mm -hmm. What would you say? I mean, obviously, it's going to take some planning, but... Do you have a next play in mind? Something you're looking to do? Sure. Um, so my plan for the next 12 months, actually, um, is to just sort of hone in on being a full-time agent and just put the blinders on. Nice. Um, but the goal is at the end of those 12 months to lock down my third house hack, uh, which I believe, as of right now, my strategy will most likely be Airbnb. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but specifically going to even narrow my narrow down my search even further to something with a detached ADU so nice. that my girlfriend and I can, and our dog can have full reign of the main property with like a backyard and whatnot. Those, I mean, those are unicorns. We they actually are. Went and, <laughs> I went and saw one yesterday mm -hmm. and I was like, man, yeah, it's, uh, to find something like that is, uh, it's pretty special. So, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't want to pass on it pretty much unless there's something very, very wrong with it. I mean, you, you definitely want to snatch that up. So yeah, Chad. Chad and our team just went under contract on one in Arvada, and I'm wondering if that's the one you that's went one. to. Yeah, that, okay. That's one I was at. Yeah, I was there yesterday with him. So, yeah, beautiful property. I was like, and you wouldn't even know. Like, you're looking at the front of the house, and you go back there, you wouldn't even know it was back there. You know, nice kind of set up. And, I mean, there's nice entertaining area. It's it's a beautiful home. So, yeah. it's it's really nice. Um, that's awesome. Um, as far as, let's say, we'll switch gears to uh, – to your agent job, mm -hmm. what uh, what challenges have you been seeing recently with the market and, and uh, the way things have been going? Uh, challenges? I mean, everybody's scared right now mm -hmm. of inflation, interest rates, everything that the Fed's doing. Um, it's all up in the air. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, I'm seeing more pros than cons right now. I've actually been having really good conversations with, you know, friends, potential clients, everybody about how optimistic everything is looking actually like, yeah. sure, we may be entering into a recession, but this is the perfect time to buy. Um, if you're able, if you're fortunate enough to like be in a good financial position right now, things are getting a lot cheaper. Um, and strategies are becoming more and more profitable. Um, locking down a property right now, um, for 75 K <laughs> under asking, uh, means that in five, 10 years, when hopefully the market's back up, that you that you'll have a lot of built-in equity from what yeah. you from the decision you made today by buying underneath market. Um, so yeah, yeah, buy when others are fearful. <laughs> yeah, definitely, we're seeing a lot a lot deeper discounts than we've seen in uh, in quite a while. So yeah. awesome, awesome. Well, one of the things that we in our community we talk about is financial certainty. Mm -hmm. So with Paul, um, our team, Philip. Um, financial certainty. That's what we're all working towards is financial certainty. So, um, and not, not chasing more. Uh, so how would you say you're using real estate to get to your financial certainty without chasing more? Sure. Um, so I've always been just a big, well, not always, uh, since I've found it, I've been a huge fan of financial freedom, financial independence, and sort of been chasing that ever since I, came across that first YouTube video uh, describing house hacking, fell in love with the, con with the concept. <laughs> and I think that's what you're describing, financial certainty, financial independence, financial yeah. freedom, yeah. basically being able to live the life that you want on your terms exactly how you want. Um, exactly. Real estate for me is a way to cash flow that lifestyle. Uh, there's two ways to do it. Like you can, you can either build up a net worth that allows you to withdraw a certain amount every year that funds your lifestyle, um, or you can build up your cash flow from whatever assets you have so that the cash flow matches and then beats the lifestyle costs that you want to achieve. So like for me right now, we're spending roughly like 3000 bucks a month. So my goal and I'm approaching it is to have a baseline financial freedom number of 36 grand of cash flow a year. Easy peasy. <laughs> and then grow from there and then escalate lifestyle accordingly. Um, yeah, right now I'm sitting at roughly like two grand of cash flow a month. So it doesn't take much to like build out like the lifestyle that I want because I only have to cover that one grand difference. 
I have 2000 of my monthly living expenses covered. So all I have to do is come up with the extra grand. Um, so being an agent, super easy to come up with that number <laughs> and live the life that I want. Like going into house hacking allowed me to first quit a job that I hated for a career path that I thought I would enjoy. It was better. And then buying my second house hack allowed me to quit a job that I was fine with for the career path that I, and the lifestyle that I absolutely love, which is 100% time freedom, choosing how to spend every day exactly how I want to work with people, like only the people that I want on my own schedule and basically design my life day to day exactly how I want it to be. And I'm two years out of college <laughs> and I'm, I would consider myself there. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that with me. I mean, yeah, you're, you're 24, you've got a solid plan. You're working with a solid team and, uh, it's awesome, man. You're killing it. Thank so, you. <laughs> you know, I, I really appreciate having you on the podcast. And I mean, just all the support from you and the FI team has been awesome. I can't uh, can't say enough about you guys. So um, I appreciate you coming out and, and chatting and, and telling me your story. It's Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Anytime. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, um, like I said, appreciate your time and uh, we'll see you guys next time.